from zoom says we're recording so we're going for it welcome to the air raid attack podcast i'm your host michael as always follow the show on twitter at air raid underscore podcast follow myself if you like to on air with mike on twitter and uh it's as always great to talk sports with you as always listen and subscribe on itunes google and anywhere you get your uh, podcast from on any major podcast platform but with that being said as always, we're talking sports. David's back with us. We got a lot to talk about, David. David, how's your week going, sir? It's going pretty good. I can't complain about much of anything except the heat. <laughs> and if you don't, if you, all your listeners out there don't know, we're both from Oklahoma City, and uh, it's summertime. We were just talking. Uh, last week was in the eighties. Few weeks wasn't wasn't too long ago. I think it was in the sixties and seventies, and I think we might have got 150 in there. I don't know. I can't remember when. But nonetheless, uh, summer, I believe, has arrived. It's humid. It's hot. It's not fun, David. No, not at all. But, not at all. <laughs> but we got a lot to talk about. Uh, first things first uh, is the NBA playoffs. I know last week when we recorded, we were talking about the what-if scenario of LeBron James being eliminated. Well, David, LeBron James is eliminated. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. LeBron's, LeBron's kind of like the New York Yankees of the NBA. Either love him or you hate him. There is no neutrality when it comes to LeBron. Nah. And, uh, you know, I'm not a – I give him respect when respect's due. I'm not a huge, huge fan of his, and I'm sure that he's probably like whatever, but uh, – it's interesting. Now we can say, I don't know when the last time LeBron James, I guess when he first, the first season with the Lakers, when he was not in the NBA Finals. But uh, other than that, he's had his fun run in the NBA Finals, but, uh, or at least made it there, you know, has a, had so many success for the most part. But um, now with the Lakers being out, who's your personal favorite to run the West? And where does LeBron, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say LeBron's going to retire, but He's getting up there in age, and uh, I'm just going to flat out go out and ask the question, and we'll discuss it, is will we see LeBron back in the NBA Finals before he does officially make his retirement? I would say no on that question, and here's why. Because as you age, especially like I said last week, with the uh, physically demanding game of basketball, it takes longer for your body to heal when you're injured as you age. And LeBron, like I said, he's like I said last week, he's 36. And he's been playing this game 18 years. And it's going to take a while to heal from these injuries that he's plagued him throughout this season. Um, And unless the Lakers give him a supporting cast that he can do something with, I don't think – He'll win another title. I think he'll make the finals, but I don't know if he'll win another title as far as I'm concerned before he calls it quits. 
You know, I, I, I'm with, I'm going to probably agree with you on that one. Uh, I don't think LeBron uh, does win an NBA championship. Of course, now you got the, you know, you, you always have those sports conspiracy theorists. You know, if the NBA is rigged, and I'm I don't care if it is or isn't rigged. I don't that that doesn't affect me with my daily living. But regardless if it is or not, let's. I mean, I'm just playing out there. But if in fact that it's not legitimately rigged, as some people claim that the NBA is. Um, I don't think he does. I do think he'll make it to the NBA Finals. Depends on, of course, the health, you know, his health. You know, Anthony Davis has some injuries uh, throughout the year. And, you know, if you look at the NBA overall, and I'm not a huge, huge uh, NBA person as it is, but besides rooting for Thunder, but you don't know. I mean, I don't know what the Lakers, I'm trying to get this app loaded, but in regards to what they have for agency coming up uh, this upcoming off season, I know we're right back to normal schedule as is when it comes to the NBA's preseason, the summer league, this uh, next season, thankfully. But I think if injuries continue to play a, a role in the, uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, of course, and his age, also he's not getting any younger. I don't, know if he's going to be able he might be in a situation to where and I don't know what you think on this is maybe they may have to make him not play as much minutes to kind of save his legs for that playoff push come April and May yeah and I think that's what they may have to do but there's a there's a balance there because if you remember a few years ago Greg Popovich would rest Tim Duncan, David Robinson, yep. and Mano Ginobili in order to prepare them for the playoff push. But then David Stern got mad because the NBA was losing money because people weren't buying tickets. Like, well, I'm not going to go to the game if I'm not going to see him play. So they have to find that balance where he's going to play. And there's, I don't know if there's like a league minimum of minutes you have to play in the league uh, in a game. Uh, to be considered, you know, not resting. But I know the NBA has said something about, you know, we don't like losing revenue when people aren't going to be watching games or going to games because players are going to be resting. Absolutely. And, you know, I believe when the – wasn't last year. I think it was the final year that Russ was here uh, in Oklahoma City. I think a lot of people – it was happening towards where a lot of these M- – or a lot of these MVP players – a lot of these all-stars and big-name players were being arrested because, you know, whether the playoff seating didn't make much of a difference. I know um, there was a game with the Thunder when, you know, Paul George and and Russ and I think Adams were all out. And then I forgot who they were playing. But the other team, it might have been the Spurs. I really don't remember. But the other team, whoever it was, they rested their main stars. And, of course, everybody came to – that one game because they wanted to see Russ. And let's just say it was the Spurs. And they wanted to see probably Kawhi Leonard at the time. And so, so on and so forth. And so, you know, I think that when push comes to shove, will we see these big-time stars? It's definitely when they get older, um, rest more, I think so, be just because of the, how tough the, and grind it is. And, of course, you know, he's been playing, I'm sure – Obviously, all four years in high school, and you know who knows from there. So, I mean, obviously, his legs got some mileage. Here's a thought, and I don't know. I know I'm looking through 
the free agency um, for the Los Angeles Lakers, thanks to uh, spotrack.com. Uh, but uh, luckily for them, not much of a humongous free agency dropper. Uh, I think the only, if you want to consider a uh, name that a lot of people is going to know is Dennis Schroeder um, is a big time player that they're going to potentially lose during the offseason. But other than that, um, scrolling through here, Andre Drummond, which he's not the Drummond of the Detroit days, but uh, we can see the Lakers. I don't think that we'll see them in the finals. I think a lot of teams in the West um, are catching, if not passing, LeBron. And one of them is the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns, even though you know uh, Chris Paul's definitely up there in age. But it's going to be interesting, David. It is. Do you think Russ? Do we could we see Russ go back home to LA and potentially team up with LeBron? I don't know. Um, I know he's actually very happy where he is in Washington because he's playing for Scott Brooks, a coach that knows him extremely oh, well from no. their time together here in Oklahoma City. And the problem is, is the locker room is only so big and you can't have that many egos in one locker room. You just cannot have it. And I think somebody would have to move out of Los Angeles for, uh, to, um, for Russ to go to the Lakers. Now, is there a remote possibility somewhere down the road he may join the Clippers and go Ooh. to Los Angeles that way? I don't know if that's a possibility. I haven't heard anything about that, but honestly – that may be his option to play in Los Angeles right now versus having to wait. Well, you know, the Clippers are definitely a team that now, you know, here's their chance to get out of what we all, you know, OU fans will say is the, the little, you know, the big brother spotlight when it comes to the in-state teams and referring to Oklahoma State for anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um but uh, here's their chance uh, to rise and and try to get out of that limelight in regards to uh, being the Lakers' stepbrother or you know little brother, however they want to word it out there. Um, not going to sit here and say they're going to win it, but here's their opportunity now to finally make Los Angeles uh, somewhat of a Clipper country. I'm not saying it's completely, but here's their chance to finally break that. Uh, Bad rep towards the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. they are. And uh, they've got a good chance to uh, take take the Jazz to the limit. But Utah is um, just so good. There's a reason that they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. And you and I both know that the Western Conference is the better conference when it comes to the NBA. The better players are there. The better teams are there. Um, in fact, the Western Conference is one, I think uh, – I have to look at the uh, NBA Finals um, records, but um, I think the M the Western Conference has won, if not all of them, a super majority of the last few NBA Finals going the last decade um, because they've just got far and above superior talent. Oh, absolutely. The, Lake, or the Lakers. The Western Conference by far um, is a whole lot better than – the Eastern Conference by a long shot. You know, you got, uh, like you mentioned, uh, 
the Utah Jazz is a huge team that is raising havoc uh, in the West. Denver's playing well. Uh, the Phoenix Suns is just blazing to I understand that they're playing Nuggets, but they're um, they're flat out playing well right now. And so, you know, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Spurs when they're on good years. Oklahoma City, of course, they had a good run for a while. The list goes on and on. And and Portland, uh, Memphis can raise some um, stuff. Dallas and Houston when, of course, James Harden was there. But uh, the Eastern Conference, yeah, I mean, you're going to – I would imagine, unless something weird was to happen, I would imagine the Nets would come out of the East as the Eastern Conference champs unless Milwaukee can finally uh, – take over a game and maybe push the Nets to their limits. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, the Eastern Conference up and down. Atlanta, though, I like Trey Young and what they're doing there. But I don't know on a consistent basis throughout this playoff system, or at least this year, if they can keep that up. But talent-wise, the NBA is definitely in the West, and we know by experience, of course, here in Oklahoma City, not saying that the Thunder is going to be competitive anytime soon, but Nonetheless, just watching it day in, day out, the Western Conference and the NBA is is cream of the crop. Yep. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, looking at the looking at the last decade, um, it was uh, the um, it's actually pretty split pretty evenly. So I remembered it. Um, last decade from 2010 to 2019, um, the uh, uh, Heat won back-to-back with LeBron, and then Cleveland won with LeBron, and then Toronto won in 2019 with uh, Kawhi Leonard. And um, so then uh, – but oh, those are those four years. So six and four Western Conference. So it's a little bit closer than I thought, but still Western Conference is, uh, is uh, the better conference in the NBA. But the, regarding the Nets, I think the Nets are actually going to be the team to beat. Um, and what's really interesting is because is that the Nets are not exactly the team that everybody's rooting for. Um, they're well, you know, I both knew, grew up watching them as New Jersey Nets, oh, and then just yes. a few years ago, yeah, they moved to Brooklyn and built they the city built the uh, what's now known as the Barclays Center, that's where they play. But New York was, is, and will always be a Knicks town. I have yet to see Spike Lee go to a Brooklyn Nets game. He only goes to the Knicks games. He is to the New York Knicks what Jack Nicholson is to the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. They're A1 fan right there at courtside. Um, and then, if you think, if you realize this, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, none of those players were drafted, nor were they developed by the Nets. These players signed with the Nets exclusively to contend for a championship. So I don't really find anyone supporting the Nets because they're all of a sudden an underdog team because they are not considered an underdog team. No, and, you know, and – oh, absolutely. And I agree that regardless of how good or bad the Knicks are, it's a Knicks country. Just like in baseball, regardless of how good the Mets or the Yankees are always going to be the that team, the Jets, Giants. I don't really care who you go with on that one, but um, – but no, regardless of basketball, absolutely. In, in any way that you can sit there and say that the Nets are an underdog and so on and so forth, of course, this past season or offseason, I should say, you know, making that trade for James Harden, 
making that trade. I know it's during the season, but for Blake Griffin, and no, he's not the Blake Griffin we saw with the Clippers and the high flying, dunking over people. You know, obviously, age catches up, and he knows that. And so, um, it's yeah. weird because here we were 14 years ago or so, or 13 years ago, whatever, however long it's been. And here he was playing in the Wayne Noble series. Now here we are talking about he's old. He's old, but unfortunately, yeah, you know, he's just like the rest of us. He's getting up there in age. So at least yeah, and also, also what's really interesting about Blake Griffin is, is I got to watch him in high school. Yep. Um, he went to Oklahoma Christian School, which is just down the road from where I live here in Oklahoma City area. And they're at the time they were – when I was in high school and he was in high school, um, their enrollment was about the same as my high school and they were in the same district as we were. And we were hosting districts one year and him and his older brother, Taylor, who most people don't mm-hmm. realize was also an NBA player. Yep. Um, they came to our school. We got to watch them play. And this is when Kelvin Sampson still, oh, you had coaches that long ago, you know? So, uh, um, but we, uh, we got to watch him play. And I remember to a friend of mine, we were watching – uh, we got out of class to go watch the basketball game and uh, uh, we're sitting there in the stands. And I was talking to a friend of mine. And I said, I was watching him dunk and it was just, it. Well, they, they kicked our butts up and down that court. We knew it was going to happen. And we just, we were, we were there for the show. We were there to see him and Taylor dunk after time and time again. And uh, I told the friend of mine, I was sitting next to her, I said, you know what? He's going to go to Oklahoma because they'd been, uh, mm-hmm. he had, hadn't signed yet, but he would committed. And uh, Kelvin Sampson was there at the game doing some more scouting on him. And we were sitting there, and I told my friend, I said, he's going to go to Oklahoma, he's going to go to NBA. But his NBA career is going to be very short because the human body is not designed to twist and put stress on the joints that he does when he was dunking and doing all those crazy things that he did in L.A. Um, his joint, his body's paying the price for what he did in L.A. Oh, yeah. No, and absolutely, of course, he played a huge part of Oklahoma's uh, success. I think they went to the Elite Eight uh, one year, of course, losing to North Carolina. But, you know, it's it's interesting, nonetheless, that uh, the talent that Blake Griffin has, and it's it's mind-blowing, mind I should say, that he's to the point now that, as people would say, uh, ring chasing. I don't necessarily think he's ring chasing. Of course, he wants. I'm sure he wants to win one as much as the rest of the the 15 man roster or whatever the case may be does. But um, it'd be nice to see Blake Griffin come to Oklahoma City, finish out, of course, in his home state. I'm not saying he played in Oklahoma City, but in or at least majority. But you know, at least finish in front of your home state. Uh, what will happen? I don't really probably think it's going to uh, be cool. Nonetheless. But uh, you look at the roster, you know, they're full of, you know, all-stars, and yet people want to consider them underdogs. You look at DeAndre Jordan, of course, he spent some time with Blake Griffin uh, in the Clippers organization many years ago. Kyrie Irving, of course, we know from Boston uh, in Cleveland. Uh, Joe Harris can play as well, another guard forward. Of course, we know about, you know, Blake Griffin, James Harden, Kevin Durant, unfortunately, with Durant. Um, Bruce Brown can play a, a few minutes here and there. You know, a lot of people don't really forget, but Jeff Green, of course, um, he came off the bench a lot with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Of course, he's another, another Thunder product. But um, but you look at I mean, it's just a full of talent. It's, it's mind-blowing that they consider to be uh, 
an underdog. Yeah, I mean, you look at the coaching staff, uh, courtesy of their own website. You know, you got Steve Nash as the head coach. You got um, Royal Ivy's one of the assistants. Amari Stoudemire is the is the player development assistant coach. So I'm not going to say that they're going to win. They very well could be swept out and never win again. But my question is, hopefully. <laughs> You know, James Harden, when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder and he eventually went on to the Houston, he always said that he's going to shave his beard when he wins an NBA championship. I wonder if that if that obligation is still intact, if, in fact, the Nets do win the, the NBA championship this year. I do, too. And uh, I would interesting to see James Harden without his beard because I only know him <laughs> as the beard. And is he gonna is he gonna be like are we gonna have to bring in the folks from Ripley's believe it or not? Because this guy's gonna look so weird. Like, who's that? That's James Harden. It is? Yeah. It looked mm-hmm. like him. We didn't have his beard. So I don't know if he's gonna shave it clean or he's just gonna trim it down, but it's gonna be look <laughs> weird either way. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, and, and all the listeners in Oklahoma City, I'm sure. I, I know there's a few out there or handful out there or whatever, but I get we don't like Kevin Durant. I don't like him either. But um, you never know. He might be, you know, next LeBron. He may try to be the, the ring chaser of them all. But nonetheless, as for Blake Griffin's sake, I hope he does win one regardless of where he's at. But um, right now, of course, we're in the second round. Who's your favorite right now to win it all right now, David? Well, my lines earlier, my favorite's the Nets. I just think they've got, with all that experience with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing in the NBA Finals, I think they've got that big spotlight experience that some of these younger teams like Phoenix and Utah, who haven't been to the this stage in a while, don't have, and they know how to perform on the big stage. So I'm thinking the Nets are my favorite right now. I would uh, go Nets and the Suns, the way they're playing, and the Jazz will be two and three. I don't think anybody in the East would really, I don't think, have my vote. Uh, in the West, the only one is the inconsistency. If they were playing consistent basketball, I would go Clippers, but a lot of times they're on different pages, and it's kind of unfortunate, but... Nonetheless, it's uh, I'm excited. I'm glad we're almost almost getting close to the uh, conference finals. Of course, the NBA finals here in a few weeks. But uh, keeping playoff talk, um, and nonetheless, it's a lot. A lot of people uh, were wanting. Of course, after last season, a lot of people are still wanting it. We may have it. So. Kind of got fill you all in the college football committee, playoff committee. Wonderful. We may actually get out of this expansion. Not to my pleasure, but hey, I'll take it. Um, to fill you guys in, of course, if you guys don't know, which I don't know who wouldn't know about the college football playoff, you get four teams, top four teams in the country. Doesn't matter. Well, unless you're the SEC. Doesn't matter in the ACC. Doesn't matter, um, you know, if you're in a Big 12, that, you know, Supposedly it's the top four teams, unless you're the SEC and you can win and you can not make the conference championship game and still make the playoffs. It's probably mind-blowing, but, you know, Alabama can can nonetheless get pull the strings. Um, but anyway, so the committee says we're going to meet and we're going to propose something. So 
here's where we stand right now. The proposal came out and they're going to expand it to potentially to 12 teams. And here's how the playoff committee would look. Here's how the proposal will look. You would have the first round matchup would be on campus. So, of course, the, the lowest seed would be the highest seeds, I should say, would be the home team. So if you're an eight seed, you would host the nine, uh, the nine seed, so on and so forth. So I saw, according to on Twitter, um, courtesy giving credit to ESPN stats and information, uh, they, they tweeted out, here's what the 2020 playoff committee would look like had if we had 12 teams. Cincinnati would be the eight seed, would play nine seed Georgia. Five seed Notre Dame would play 12 seed Coastal Carolina. Six A&M. 11 Indiana, 7 Florida, 10 Iowa State. The top four seeds will get a will get a bye week. And the quarterfinals, which would be a bowl, actual bowl game. One seed Bama, four seed Oklahoma, three seed Ohio State, two seed Clemson. Of course, uh, they put on the bottom. Here's why OU would receive a bye week. They would be considered the fourth highest ranked conference champion. So on and so forth. <clears throat> My thoughts, probably... A great idea. I love the fact that we're talking expansion. I don't know if here we go again. We won't ever get this right, but I think 12 is a little too much. Had should have we needed that expansion last year? Absolutely. I think Cincinnati got screwed. Georgia, you know, you could have made the, the case for Georgia, Oklahoma, and I get people, you're a homer. That's perfectly fine. But here's my case. They were the hottest team in the country um, that played wonderful after the 0-2 start in the Big 12, losing to Kansas State, losing to Iowa State. Um, they were the hottest team in the country. Spencer Rattler playing lights out. Marvin Mims, that defense for once, David, we can finally say was playing defense. Um, they were hot. Now, Coastal Carolina, I don't know if they would have done anything. I don't think so. Um, I know Cincinnati was a lot of people's you know, heartbreaker team that didn't make the Final Four. <sighs> so, I say go – I don't know if you could work with six, but try it with eight, see how that goes, then go to 12. David, what's your thoughts on this proposal um, – Obviously, we'll make it four to eight or four to 12. So you're up in eight teams in there. You're adding uh, an additional um, two more weeks, if you want to call it that, because in theory, well, three depends on how you look at it. But the bowl games will be week two of the playoffs. Home game will be uh, week one. Of course, the national championship game will continue as is. So uh, adding actual weeks of college football, your thoughts on this proposal. And in fact, if it does get approved, it will actually go into effect this year. So this could be interesting for all you college football fans out there. David, what's your thoughts on this? And is the committee going to get it right? Or is it still not in the right formation? Well, well the committee's taking a huge step in the right direction because this addresses one of the biggest things about college football season when you get to november it's pretty much a lock about who is gonna play um because as you know 
ESPN the first Tuesday, I think the second Tuesday or third Tuesday of November, they released their first the the first four yep. playoff ranking and do it every other t- every Tuesday after that until the Tuesday before uh, after Christmas before the games they realize they announce who's going to play and those teams do not change if they do there's very little movement and it's just because of one big loss. What this does is it makes the month of November relevant. Uh, the biggest issue that I saw was that, like I said, with it became about clear two ways through two the way through the season, which teams are going to remain relevant. This keeps this format keeps many more teams in the mix, and it leads to more meaningful games. This keeps fan bases invested longer, which means they're going to be they're going to stay tuned. They're going to be watching games. Ratings are going to go up. They're more likely to go to a game or at least go tailgate at a game, uh, which keeps the money flowing to the campus and the areas around the campus. And it gives more programs a belief that they can actually make it. It gives them that hope, that Cinderella hope that that we see in a basketball tournament. And um, no other sport has a playoff that's exclusive as college football. Um <laughs> Here's the statistics for you. There are 130 FBS teams that play football in what was known formerly known as 1A, now it's FBS. Only 3% of those teams make the 14 playoff. And of the 65 Power 5 teams, only 6% of them get to go. So you're talking about 97% and 94% respectively teams that won't even get to go no matter if they – run rough shot over everybody because they don't have the power that the SEC does. And regarding the SEC, one of the drawbacks of this, suppose a 12-team playoff, is the rich are going to get richer. We're going to see at least two or three SEC teams in a playoff. And if you're listening out there and you're an SEC team homer, I'm sorry to say your conference sucks. But um, (laughs) – But uh, you're just too powerful. But that's just me. That's just an observation. <laughs> but um, but it gives the teams that maybe there's an SEC team that's not Alabama or Georgia that on a big stage will step up and they'll perform and everybody will say, well, hey, this is kind of cool because you, you, you get some fresh, fresh blood in there. And I think it's great for the uh, thing. Of course, the process has got to get approved. And uh, the um, here's the for, for in case you're wondering here's the process. The management committee will have to approve the plan. If it does, it goes to the board of managers, which is a group of eleven university presidents and chancellors. And then, if that's approved, then it's up to the respective conference commissioners, and then of course Notre Dame athletic, Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick, because they're an independent. Um, they're going to have to figure out how to implement this new system and where, when to schedule the games, uh, what time, you know. You don't want, you know, a juggernaut game between Alabama and Clemson kicking off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on an obscure cable channel. You want that in prime time on a network TV so everybody gets to watch it. So it's going to be a process, but I think it has a great chance of being approved. Uh, and I think it'll do good for the sport overall. Well, I absolutely agree. <clears throat> Excuse me, 110. percent A huge college football fan here. I, I besides the Denver Broncos, I'm a, I prefer college football probably over anything 
sports related and um huge fan of it i mean yeah the sec all you sec i know there's a handful out there because they're trying to to get on the show but but you know it's uh <clears throat> you know i know the cotton bowl still uh <laughs> there's one person out there to listen to on a daily basis or on a weekly basis and uh he knows who he is he tweeted me out during the cotton bowl uh game and uh i love how uh you know the excuses came out that uh you know, supposedly we had more practices than they did, which is mind-blowing because, you know, Florida played Alabama for the SEC championship the same day. Oklahoma played Iowa State for the Big 12 championship. So I don't know where the extra practice came into. But anyway, the better team won. And, um, you know, regardless. But anyway, but moving on to 2021. So, no, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, it's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, I really don't want 16. I think if it does get to 16, might stop. I don't think it's going to be the FC or the FCS, which is Division One AA um, level of uh, where they're at. But it very well may. I think they get 16, if not more. But um, but nonetheless, I, I love the idea. I hope it. Uh, I think it will get approved. And um, nonetheless, uh, I'm glad that it's we're moving that direction because. I know last year it could have used it because there's a lot of good teams. And, yes, including my Sooners, and, yes, we have two losses. But still, um, they got left out. Like I mentioned moments ago, Cincinnati I thought really got robbed. Um, not saying they would have done anything in the playoff. But, nonetheless, uh, I'm excited for it. You know, I'm, I'm just going to – it wasn't on topic, but now since we're kind of talking about the SEC, of course, rumors have always not. There hasn't been no rumors of any kind of expansion anytime soon, but of course, I always love uh, reading tweets and stuff like that. Of course, Oklahoma this year opening up the game um, first weekend of September in New Orleans at Tulane, 11 a.m. kickoff. Of course, they follow that one back with a home game against Western Carolina, which I don't know when that game is yet. But Nebraska, surprisingly, David, uh, something I've Kind of want to touch up on. I know I read a while back. I keep on forgetting just talking in general. What's your thoughts? Are you disappointed that that game? Because I'll be honest with you. I really, really thought um, with it being the, uh, what is it, 50th year anniversary of the game of the century back in 1971 and so on and so forth with Nebraska and Oklahoma and the historic rivalry, even though it's not so much historic now when Nebraska uh, – ran for the Big Ten, but and has epically failed since they ran for the Big Ten, but uh, or to the Big Ten. But were you disappointed to read that Nebraska-Oklahoma was set for an 11 a.m. Kick, kickoff? And uh, is it, unfortunately, I hate saying this, but is it a kind of – so question one, time frame of the 11 a.m. kickoff for the 50th year anniversary of the Game of the Century – uh, your thoughts on that? I was disappointed. More likely, I was obviously I was shocked. I thought it'd be a prime time game. Um, and then on top of that, what will it take for Oklahoma to quit playing these 11 a.m. kickoff? Is it time for OU once the TV contract expires, which I think it's a few years away from now? Is it going to have to act them to actually leave the Big 12 to get into these prime time spots again? I don't think so. I think we're going to work on a new deal with Fox. Um, because Fox has got that big noon cook, big noon kickoff, and they're they're unfortunately one of the bad things about it is is that there's no really other games at 11 a.m. So they're able to really make these 
games work. Um, that's one of the drawbacks of being in the Big 12 and signing this TV contract. I think they're going to try to negotiate a better contract next time around where they don't have to make 11 a.m. kickoffs. But the other reason that this is actually 11 a.m. kickoff, I was disappointed. I was hoping for at least afternoon or prime time. You do not want to put a team, uh, a matchup that looks good on paper mm-hmm. in prime time and then go out there and have it completely one-sided, which unfortunately – if there's any Nebraska fans listening out there, it's going to be one-sided. OU is just too much for Nebraska right now. Um, maybe Nebraska can hang kind of close, but I think Oklahoma's is going to dominate Nebraska. And it's going to be one-sided, and by halftime, we're going to have fans tuning out, flipping around, finding another game to watch, and ratings are going to drop. And when you've got a primetime game, you want the audience engaged for the whole thing, not just half or three quarters. Um, Regarding the uh, the game, though, I think it's going to be a great game. There's going to be a lot of uh, nostalgia. We're going to play these guys for the first time in over a decade. Um, but at the same time, they're not exactly relevant. Maybe this makes them relevant again if we can figure out a way to play them at least every few years um, and uh, get that rivalry kind of restarted um, with Nebraska. I'm – Looking, I'm actually looking forward to it. I don't think, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's gonna be much of a game. Um, Scott Frost just hasn't got that Husker magic. But you know, truthfully, and and I, there's a, is a podcast out there, and I talk to him from time to time, and he does an excellent work. It's a Husker podcast, strictly Nebraska football um, stuff. Good stuff if anybody's out there listening. But it. <laughs> The Nebraska, let's just be honest, they – I think what happened with the Big 12, everyone got upset because the TV contracts, then Texas comes up with this horrendous network, uh, and people are like, well, why are you bashing Texas? Okay, it's OU Texas. Come on now. Um, but rivalry side, Texas comes up with the with – the, with their own network, and that's fine. Do what you want to do. I don't care. Um and then, of course, the Missouri bounces, A&M bounces, Colorado bounces, even though Colorado made, made more sense geographically along with Nebraska, technically, if you think about it. But, um, you know, A&M, I thought, should have stayed, but they did phenomenally well once Jimbo Fisher got there. Um, but um, on paper, great. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to it. I'm kind of hoping uh, my dad's in decent shape. Maybe um, he'll be up for it. But you know, uh, even though I got to work it, but maybe I can work some things out. Um, but anyway, non-story. Uh, long story short is Nebraska. I think it's gonna get. It's gonna be a good 11-8 kickoff. I don't know what the. Obviously, it's way in advance. I don't know what the games were looking like around that time frame is, but um, we'll see once it gets closer. We'll love to do a college football preview show for sure, um, especially yeah. twelve, but. I'm looking forward to it, um, regardless of how good, bad, the ugly. I, I, I miss Nebraska in the Big 12. I always enjoyed them. I mean, but <sighs> it's 11 a.m. kickoff, so those aren't, those aren't too bad. I mean, and plus it makes it better for the afternoon because you look at uh, uh, that primetime games and you kind of – Hopefully, celebrate all you win while you, who knows, you may watch um, OSU lose or something. I don't know. 
But um, no, nah, I mean, if if the Big Twelve day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll ask a real quick question. If the Big Twelve happens to expand, which I don't think they ever will, I think they if they would have, they were done by now. Um, what's one team or a few teams you would love to see in the Big Twelve? If in fact, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they happen to expand, what's two or three teams you would just love as that dream team conference that you would love to see? Well, I think they want to keep it kind of local to the area. I mean, you've got um, West Virginia on the East Coast, and that makes for some interesting matchups in other athletics besides football. Um, And then, of course, you've got um, uh, TC, which is in Texas. I would actually love to see North Texas maybe join the Big 12. Um, That would give us another Texas team and – um, if you would go way back when it was before the Big 12 was before the, it was a Big Eight, and then before that it was the Southwest Conference. Yep. When conferences were geographical, now there's just all over the place. But um, and then of course you've got Iowa State up in Iowa. Um, I think um, as much as I really like to, um, I'd like to see it. It probably won't have a a, a snowball's chance, and you know where, but. Um, this is a family-friendly show, so uh, <laughs> we. Um, but I would love to see Iowa, and we can have Iowa Iowa State rivalry in the Big Twelve, and uh, another rivalry for a good chance to get that conference. But um, the Big Twelve is leaps and bounds ahead of where they were just a few years ago. Uh, Bob Bosa should be commended for his work um, in guiding the ship that is the Big Twelve through the rough waters that they had, and they're actually prosperous right now despite all these early kickoffs but um, in football. But I think that I would love to see North Texas, and even though it doesn't have a chance to happen, I'd love to see Iowa too. Yeah, um, my – I like Iowa. I think that would be nice. North Texas, their program is getting a lot better than it used to be. Um, it won't happen. I'm kind of like you. This one definitely won't happen. It's. I'm sure people out there listening probably laughing more than anything else. I would love to see Arkansas. Um, that's a dream dream. I know that's not going to happen. I, I get that. But it uh, be nice to see Arkansas, right? Just, you know, Fayetteville, I think, is right down I-40, a little north of that. And I think uh, that would be nice. It's not going to happen. I get it. I get it, guys. I get it. Um, but that would be one. North Texas would be another. You know, Houston wouldn't be bad. It would be a nice, nice recruiting area for people galore down there. Um, but uh, stick it close. Arkansas will be your dream, dream, long, you know, long shot, not going to happen type of thing. And then uh, more realistic, I think, of an option, um, probably Houston or North Texas. I, I don't think um, – other than that, I just don't see anyone leaving. Colorado State, you know, it's funny. is Colorado State always gets mentioned um, the last few years or even during the expansion. They got a new football stadium, which is nice. It's it's a phenomenal stadium. Never been there, but it looks nice. Um, I just – I don't know if if it's a good enough draw. I mean, if you're going to go back to the Colorado routes, they ain't going to leave, but go back to Colorado or Air Force, I guess. But, no, I think um, I think the Big 12 stays where they're at. I don't think if anybody leaves – especially if nothing gets better in regards to, you know, gas prices or anything to that sort of nature. 
probably West Virginia, I think, would make more sense to to leave if, in fact, you know, they thought about, like, too much fuel with charging and it's just it's not worth it, maybe. But anyway, we'll see. Uh, down the road, but I am definitely looking forward to uh, to college football. Um, we're less than what ninety five days, ninety days now. Yeah, yeah. less than less than hundred days to college football. I think they said it was about ninety four to ninety five days right now. Well, I'm I'm ready. It's uh, oh yeah, it's it, I'm gonna get back into tailgating. They canceled. They they love fans, but they want my tailgating. I want to go back and just <laughs> you know do that whole. It's a tailgating thing and just sit there and get sunburned and drunk and just have a blast. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, uh, no, I, I'm ready. It's it's going to be full capacity, looks like, across the entire country. Uh, the I know Arizona, Arizona State announced that they're going to go full capacity. I know the Big 12 is. The SEC, of course, is. And I'm sure the ACC is. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Um, definitely love it. And uh, we'll get more uh, once we get closer. But real quick, uh, not much on this one to talk about. I tweeted out, if you guys don't know, I tweeted out, you know, Deshaun Watson. Here we go again, Mr. Watson. Kareem Jackson came out, the Denver Broncos safety. He comes out and says, you know, I've been talking to Deshaun Watson. He really wants to be here. This is the only place he wants to be here. Okay, when I first read the, when I first read the, the story, notification that came through the phone, uh, from Bleach Report, I'm thinking, all right, cool. You want out of Houston because you know one or two things. You're about to get caught. I would say with your pants down, but that's really taking a jab at the whole situation. Um, but <laughs> you're about to get caught, or you realized that you had your opportunity, Bell, you failed, and now you're really up a creek. However, the interesting part is, David, that Houston Texans canceled the remaining mandatory OTAs in minicamp. The interesting part is that Watson's not going to be fined for missing anything up until when they officially canceled. So, which is really interesting. Here's the thing. So I tweeted out to the Denver Broncos trade for uh, Deshaun Watson. Majority of people... And says, yeah, some says, eh. I'm like, here's a deal. I want physical evidence. Nothing, nothing from anybody took place. Number one. And yes, I get you're going to have to listen to people out there. Well, Michael, um, even if nothing ever took place, you're still going to have those people saying stuff to Deshaun. Okay, well, I'm sure there's worse stuff that you could be saying to Deshaun, I'm sure. Um me personally, I thought about it even after I sent that tweet and responded to uh, to the, I know to you and I think Aaron as well. But after I thought about it, I really don't want Deshaun. Yes, Pro Bowl quarterback. Yes, I'm sure he'll do a phenomenal job in Denver with the talent that he's got. But I'm thinking of it is this: I don't want Aaron Rodgers for his age. And now I don't want Deshaun Watson for the baggage. And I think you definitely nailed it yesterday. He has too much baggage. The only, if they, I mean, let's be honest. If George Payton says, hey, I'm, I'm going to take the risk, regardless of what baggage he has, me personally, I'm giving a seventh-round pick. Because to me, you ain't <laughs> – I'm just – it's too much of a risk for me to trade. 
And overall, he has too much baggage. Regardless if he did or didn't do it, we won't probably ever know the honest to God truth. But um, but anyway, my personal opinion, real quick on that one: pass him to Sean. Let him let honestly let him suffer the consequences from both football and personal. Which, uh, what do you think, uh, David? I think that, like I told you in reply to your tweet, I said I think it's just too risky right now. Um, the lawyers and this this is just a little bit of intel of, of uh, research into the case. They're going through the discovery phase where they talk to the the uh, plaintiffs and they discover okay, this is uh, what happened. They're taking notes and everything, and both sides said they're not going to do a settlement. They want this thing to go to trial, and if it does, the plaintiffs will be disposed, deposed rather than disposed, but deposed uh, in September uh, throughout the NFL season. There's 22 of them. And then Watson, he can't be deposed before uh, February of 2022. So this whole thing's going to be hanging over his head as he's playing. And if you're going to be playing football, you need to have your focus on the game, not after mm-hmm. the game. And every single press conference that's going to be held Hey, what's what's that thing's in the case? The reporters are gonna be nagging, nagging, nagging. They're gonna be crazy, that crazy ex-wife of yours, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not that I don't have any experience in that department. So yeah, well hopefully one day you don't. <laughs> I know I don't, but I I don't want to experience that either, regardless. I don't I would hate for anyone to experience. I know it's out there. I I know a buddy, he has one and Poor guy, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just that nagging thing, and it's just yeah. gonna be constantly, 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 and you cannot have that when you're trying to contend with the juggernaut that is the Kansas City Chiefs. You just can't have that in your locker room. I think it's just too much of a risk right now. No, I agree, and I mean, don't get me wrong; he has a talent, a phenomenal quarterback, especially at Clemson. Uh, I know by experience, OU lost to him in the college football uh, semifinal uh, to Deshaun Watson. But nonetheless, he's a phenomenal player. Just, you know, just watch your surroundings. I'll leave it at that. Just watch your surroundings, um, and we'll we'll, we'll, uh, move on. But, no, I mean, we'll see what happens with Deshaun. Um, Continue with sticky situations. We have no pun intended. So anyway, but anyway, so Major League Baseball is definitely, definitely, David, in a sticky situation. So if you guys have been sleeping under a rock um, or you've been busy, but you realize that the Major League Baseball has been named out there, guess what? Well, it is. They're definitely in a sticky situation. So <clears throat> here's kind of fill you guys in. So Major League Baseball signaled that the league intended to crack down um, on the use of what we consider foreign substance on the mound when it comes to pitching. Because let's be honest, a lot of people love using that stuff. I remember as a, I'm a Yankee fan, so all you listeners out there, Michael Pineda, three, four years ago, got caught with it on his neck. Uh, a lot of people, pitchers were using it in their gloves, inside their gloves, the neck thing I thought was weird from Pineda, but nonetheless, it, it, it happens on occasion, if um, if not more. Now, since then, numerous pitchers have since posted, and this is from, I'm reading from an article, um, kind of fill you guys in, then the usual spin rates, a.k.a. Um, 
Garrett Cole, the Yankees ace. His name's been brought up there. Um, when he asked, a lot of people believe that he had less than a convincing answer. Um, he says that he's never done it. Now, I don't know. So, what speared all this up? Well, it's been years and so on and so forth. But what really brought this up was when, you know, the Astros and the Dodgers, uh, I guess they're going back to 2018. Now, since then, they realize that it's been, you know, the spin. Why all of a sudden now? I don't know. I, I'm still researching. David, do you know by chance exactly? I know in this article that going back to when the Dodgers and the Astros played in 2018, of course, now the Garrett Cole, which is one of the phenomenal pitchers in the league um, with his ridiculous uh, strikeout to strikeout ratio because he's just that dominant right now, except the Yankees can't get runs. Um, what exactly do you know by chance? What's actually spirit? spurred this on to now we're right back into another black eye for the league. Well, this has actually been years in the making. Um, you referenced the Michael Pena incident in Boston, and it would happen, just happened to be on national TV, Sunday Night Baseball. Um, I watched a clip on YouTube over and over again because I think I was, you know, Yankees mm-hmm. myself, I find it fascinating that, you know, the uh, then manager, I think it was John Farrell, was manager of the Red Sox at the time, and he saw something on um, on Michael Pineda's neck, a reflection of light that like yeah. that was delivered in sweat, and it was a cold night. So he's like, he's not supposed to be sweating on a cold night. So he gets umpire Joe West to go out there and test his neck, and he finds a sticky substance, and of course it's uh, and he gets tossed immediately because. Um, the uh, the um, there's a there's a um, rule and it's MLB Rule Six O Two Subsection C Seven, and it says pitchers may not have on his person or in his possession any foreign substance. And of course, Michael Pineda defended himself, saying it was cold. He needed to grip the baseball <laughs> a little bit better because it was a cold night. And then. Oh, there was this little bit of thing that talked about, well, they can't, you know, be authorized a substance that can be used to grip the baseball when the ambient temperature is below a certain temperature. Because, you know, it's a spring sport, but just because it's warm in spring in Florida and Arizona does not mean it's uh, sunshine and flowers in New York and Boston. And um, so I think it's that has to do with it. But um, it's been on for years. And then recently, um, the strikeout to walk ratio has been absurdly out of control. And then they've discovered that there may be something to it, that the pitchers are adding substance to the baseball and just getting away with it. And uh, in the 1920 uh, is when baseball first passed legislation banning spitballs and other trick pitches. Um, but that doesn't mean pitchers stop using them. And um, the problem with having an approved substance, though, is, is it going to give the pitching, the pitchers, a competitive advantage that the batters can't have, and so um, it's definitely something to keep an eye out uh, for um, for as this thing goes on and grows. 
Well, I know I'm reading through another article um, real quick. The team owners, of course, voted to move forward uh, with the crackdown uh, last week. Um, the Yankees, of course, the Yankees ace, Garrett Cove, really the only pitcher the Yankees have that will keep him in the race uh, for a while. But, uh, you know, he was recently accused. His name got brought up with that. And in fact, um, the reason why his <clears throat> name got brought up is uh, a lot of people noticed that about <clears throat> his he was down about 6% across the board with his spin rate during the most recent start Thursday. Uh, he allowed five runs in five innings against the Reds. Now, uh, I'm looking at the stat. His stats are through the roof until he hit that mine um, landmine in Tampa Bay. Uh, according to third baseman Joe uh, Josh Donaldson, uh, he told the Athletics uh, reporter Dan Hayes, uh, he says, is it a coincidence that Garrett Cole's spin rate numbers went down Thursday? After four minor leaguers got suspended for 10 games, um, he says, I don't know, maybe. At the same time with this situation, they've got they've let guys do it. So, you know, a little frustration. Of course, Aaron Boone told the uh, NewJersey.com, though I don't think much much of it. Of course not. Uh, Dodgers <clears throat> right-hand man Trevor Bauer, his name got brought up as well. His increased uh, spin rates since joining the rest two years ago has gone down as well. So, um, a lot of people thinking now it's kind of odd all of a sudden, a.k.a. Garrett Cole, you went from dominant to now all of a sudden this gets leaked out, and now your your numbers are not, not there like they usually are. So, no, I totally agree. Of course, I'm not going to spend much time on it. Uh, like you said, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting and definitely an eye on to keep as we go throughout the summer months, and we're getting close to the all-star break, the – the trading deadline, I think, is at the end of next month. And so, uh, not saying nobody's going to get traded, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless what takes place as we head into the uh, second half of the MLB season. But last things last, uh, final thing of the night. <clears throat> if you guys have been watching, the Women's College World Series is a big time, big time event here in Oklahoma City. Uh, drove by quite a bit uh, this last few days. And never actually seen a game in person, but uh, definitely watched, spent some time and uh, and watched it this weekend. But nonetheless, it has concluded, <clears throat> excuse me, has concluded, uh, finished off uh, roughly about four hours ago, according to the, um, uh, as we record right now. And um, Oklahoma, Florida State, of course, it's a wild, uh, wild uh, Women's Clause World Series. OU loses the first game of the season, or the first game of the season, first uh, game of the tournament to James Madison. James Madison then beats Oklahoma State. James Madison, you know, in the winner's bracket, OU, the number one team in the country, the most dominant team I've ever seen probably in, in any kind of sport, uh, especially softball. You know, now they got to fight for it. You know, the number two ranked team in, the UC, uh, in UCLA, they're lose for, I mean, the left goes right. It was a wild weekend, but of course, um, after it's all said and done, Oklahoma wins the national championship. Of course, I was at work, but don't think I wasn't paying attention because I was. Of course, I was excited. I did a little fist bump in my office, and and uh, when I got a notification from uh, the OU Sports app that uh, that OU won their fifth national championship, the first one since I believe 2018 or 17. But 
um, you look at this year's and what Oklahoma softball did this year was phenomenal. The most home runs in a season in D1 history, the most runs in a season, the most home runs in a single women's college world series of all time, the most runs in a single women's college world series of all time. And now they're national champions. Um, I don't know where to begin. First of all, I'm excited. Uh, congrats to Patty Gasso uh, and the entire uh, softball program that um, winning the national championship, of course, in any sport is not easy. But um, the way they did it, you know, had to come out of the loser bracket. And really, <laughs> I like someone, I think I forgot who tweeted it out, but I like this, uh, their analogy of it was when they lost. Uh, they said it was James Madison was the bear and they let, or they threw too many rocks or OU was a bear. They threw too many rocks at OU. OU is going to come back and, and the vengeance. And that they did because they run rolled uh, Georgia and I think UCLA and so on and so forth. But anyway, your thoughts um, on this season Patty Gasso finishing out her 27th season at the helm uh, as OU head coach. I don't know, you know, contract-wise, of course, you know, if she does, if, if, if anything, she'll leave on her own terms like a Sherry Cole did um, with a women's basketball program being there. But looking at this team, and this team was from top to bottom, they were good. Um, I know they lost, uh, I think, finally three or four games. And losing to Georgia, the undefeated season, I think they lost one game to Bellum. And, of course, James Madison. But uh, I might be missing another one. But anyway, first off, David, they're national champions. No surprise there, of course, number one team in the country. Could you say you're a little surprised that they even lost the game? I guess. I mean, the first game is always rough. Oh, Florida State, there's another point. So yeah, that's fourteen right there. Um, but um, your thoughts on the twenty twenty one Sooner softball, and uh, what's your thoughts on Patty Gas's legacy? I mean, now five national championships. She's been there twenty seven years. Uh, a young team on top of that. Uh, obviously, I'm sure they'll be the favorites to win again next year, if not to repeat. So, your your thoughts on the recapping of this year's team after today's national championship win? Well, I'm like you. I actually got off work early, so I was able to come home and watch the game. But uh, <laughs> I drove by the stadium, and the traffic was a little bit thick around the stadium. Right, look, 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 look at Route 535, uh, just south of I-44. So uh, once I got through that, I realized. So saying, well, I know the softball stadium's like right here, and I was like, it's right there, it's next to the highway because they built the new deck, and now you can see mm -hmm. it from the highway. And uh, I thought that was part of Remington Park. It's next to Remington Park, but it's. Um, it's a great facility, and Oklahoma City is just a privilege to have that kind of facility and these teams. And um, the 2021 Women's Cultural Series was phenomenal. It was one of the – it got a lot of people into the sport. And, you know, especially in the last few years, you've got people talking about equality, like the, the whole fiasco, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point on another podcast, is uh, this inequality, the pay equality, pay equal – uh, equal pay between the women's national team and the men's national team for the U.S. soccer. But in all this about equality, here you've got, 
you know, teams that are people tuning in because they want to see these girls play. And these girls can play softball. And it gets people invested in the sport. You've got girls that are in the stands knowing that if they work hard enough and if the cards fall the right way, they'll be on that field in years to come playing for a national championship. And it encourages people to get involved and it gets them in the spotlight, which the sport desperately needs because everybody knows football is king, but it's good to have other, other athletic programs that are in the spotlight as well. Um, regarding the game, uh, the Sooners were just, I mean, it, it, it reminded me of the 2017 Oklahoma Sooners football team, the high-powered offense with Baker Mayfield um, and uh, Hollywood Brown and receivers, uh, and then the offensive line under the coach Bill Beanbow. Uh, no one could stop them, and it they just needed, as, the, as that team needed defense, um, this team needed a star pitcher, and G. Juarez, stepped up to the plate and became the dominant pitcher that they desperately needed to win the national championship because uh, they scored the first run and then she just stepped into lockdown mode and kept them off the bases for the most part. And what was really interesting during the game is when Jocelyn Allo hit that home run, the go-ahead home run in the second inning, it was a no-doubter. Um, it's one of those home runs where it, it hits – and he, everyone in the ballpark knows it's gone. In fact, they on one of the replays, I saw the umpire seeing the home run before it actually hit the ball, it left the stadium. <laughs> he knew it was a home run. He was sitting there waving his finger in the air because, like, yep, that's a fair ball. And I think it almost cleared the stadium. So I was excited about it. Um, you know, I'm a little bit biased towards my Sooners, but um, it got people invested in sport, especially last week when James Madison pulled off the stunner against Oklahoma and in Oklahoma State, and they, they profiled Odyssey Alexander, who is a fantastic young woman. I wish nothing but the best for her in her future endeavors, and they shared a picture of her. She was raised by her grandfather uh, in, uh, well, I can't remember where she's from, but uh, her, I guess, some have with her parents, and so she's raised by her grandfather, and she learned to pitch on a concrete wall, and her grandfather spray-painted targets on a concrete wall and she learned to throw the, the what they call the rise ball and then the curve ball and then the change up using those targets. And it was just a story of inspiration to young girls that, hey, I can set up a target in my backyard. I can throw a softball and I can go play for my high school team. I can go to college and not necessarily maybe play for the Olympic gold medal um, with the women's national team, but they can get a college education on an athletic scholarship playing softball. And I think it's going to do great, great things for future generations. Totally agree. I mean, <clears throat> I think this, uh, and you look at the NCAA tournament just in general, of course, the super regionals that took place prior to the women's Cosmos series, you know, OU Washington has the first ever game um, that was ever televised on ABC, big time network. And um, the ratings were through the roof. I forgot how many people watched. It was insane to see the amount of support and, um, you know, not just from Oklahoma, <clears throat> excuse me, from Oklahoma, and I'm sure there's Washington State, but, you know, across the country. And, and you know, when James Madison, you know, <laughs> made that humongous upset uh, over Oklahoma to start off the, uh, to start off the big, uh, big tournament, uh, four to three, of course, then knocking off Oklahoma State, of course, then 
in theory, you know, beating the two Big 12 schools and in, in, in their home state on top of that, and being the only unseated team to, first of all, this is their first ever trip, which is amazing. Now they're the unseated team, you beat the probably the best softball team in the history of, of the sport. You beat then the, uh, the Big 12 runner-up in Oklahoma State. You, you go, you know, down the road, gave OU a run for the money until towards the end of the game um, to get into that double elimination game, of course, in Oklahoma, took care of business from there. But, um, no, it's a phenomenal Women's College World Series. All the listeners out there, uh, I haven't experienced it yet. Hopefully one day I will. But, you know, it, it's um, <clears throat> phenomenal facility. Just got it renovated. And so all that's new. You know, we have the Women's College World Series. I saw through 2035. So we still got a long ways to go. And who knows from there. Lord willing, we're all around still. But 2035 and beyond, don't know what we're looking at there. But nonetheless, um, Patty Gasol did a phenomenal job. I don't know how long she has left. Obviously, it's her it's her program. She can stay here as long as she wants. And I'm sure she can leave on her own terms, too. But nonetheless... Um, congrats, Oklahoma winning their fifth national championship. And uh, it's a good day. I'm excited. I was uh, I was happy. Drove by the stadium going home and uh, it was a it was <laughs> traffic sucked, but it was it was a good feeling knowing that uh, we got the we got the uh, the hardware back to Norman where it belongs. And uh, hopefully this year in football and, you know, People always say, well, congrats. You know, I want to say a special shout out to the men's golf team. And uh, I know they did not come up uh, the way they wanted to, but shout out to them finishing national runner up to Pepperdine, losing to Pepperdine in the uh, match play of the NCAA men's golf national championship. And of course, coming up short, nonetheless, a phenomenal season by Ryan Hibble and company. And uh, I don't know what his contract is, but he's due for a payday. Yeah, and uh, I think it would be. I think I'll. I think especially some of these other programs need to be uh, recognized for their outstanding athleticism as far as that. Because, like I said, it's much more than football and basketball, and you've got tens of thousands of student athletes that are going to do great things, and they don't get the recognition they deserve for doing things on and off the field. And it's a crying shame because of that. They don't play the right sport. That's bullcrap. Yep. It's time to get these players and their coaches and the people who work hours and weeks on end, fine-tuning their game, the recognition that they deserve. Because the uh, best college team award uh, for, for the ESPY, which is ESPN's version of the Oscars for people who don't know, Shouldn't always owe to a college football team. It should never. It should be, you know, between a golf team one year, and it shouldn't be exclusive to college football and basketball. The money makers for the university. It should be the best team. Period. No matter what sport it was. No, totally agree. And um, you know, I know we had a show a while back, and we talked about numerous sports with the Oklahoma Sooners, but uh, kind of rephrase it. Uh, if you're a Sooner fan, I'm telling you, we're just getting started. I know the baseball program kind of, you know, after beating the number one team in the country in Arkansas and Fayetteville, unfortunately, uh, 
Skip Johnson Company, we just uh, – I don't know what happened after that. I, I don't know. But nonetheless, I think uh, that program's heading in the right direction, regardless if Skip Johnson uh, Skip Johnson comes back. I know I've read some tweets here and there that's kind of interesting. But nonetheless, um, we'll see how that turns around. But, none the, you know, the baseball uh, renovation of Dell Elementary Park is – I know they're trying to get that going. Of course, a new brand new ballpark for the softball and rightfully so. They've gotten to the point that they can't, that they got a waiting list now for the season tickets, which is impressive in itself. And so, um, you know, now we got new basketball head coaches, uh, men's and women's. And of course, I know people's like, well, you know, football. Well, we understand. And hopefully this year we can grab that natty. But in the meantime, uh, David, it's, it's good to be a sooner today. It is. And uh, in fact, Spencer Radler uh, tweeted that, um, I'll pull up the tweet from in a moment here, but he tweeted out that uh, he, uh, um, about G. Juarez and OU softball um, winning a national championship. And, uh, and he said, uh, and one of the replies was, um, football up next. And he says, oh, yeah, we won one in 2000. And the softball won in 2000. And then the following fall, the football team won their national championship. So we could see history again. I'm hoping so. You and me both, because uh, it's been a while. And uh, I hope that we can uh, get uh, get one more. Uh, you know, the okay. football team, you know, the football team has a chance that this could be something special here. Um, you know, I'm not saying Alabama type, but it, it's he's got the potential, and uh, just a matter of time, and we'll see come this uh, this year. Yeah, and uh, there's actually Lauren Chamberlain, the uh, outfielder for the 2012 softball team that tweeted out, "Football team is now your turn." Someone give credit where credit is due. Well, they rightfully. Uh, Rightfully uh, deserve it. Um, they were the best team. You know, give credit to Florida State. I thought they were going to run roll Oklahoma game one. Uh, watched it, and I, I, I watched it till the end. It was tough. But I told my wife, I said, uh, yeah, this game might be a, <laughs> might be cut short here because it's uh, not looking good. 7 nothing for OU, I think, even scored at least one run. And, of course, yeah, try to get in, and then of course Alabama sealed the extra run in the six or seven or the six inning or something like that. But anyway, uh, now congrats to Oklahoma. Of course, great, great, phenomenal season by Florida State. Uh, fought their way through as well, and I know it's tough when you get that far and uh, to come up short. But I don't know what uh, Florida State looks like. I'm sure if they're a young team like Oklahoma is, I'm sure we'll we will see them in the near future. Yeah, we will. And uh, like I said, it's a lot of in about I say about five to ten years, we're going to see a crop of teams that are going to be very competitive because girls are going to be able to watch that, and they're going to start working on their craft. And I think it's going to be do great things for the sport of softball. So, congrats to Oklahoma for helping make softball relevant. <laughs> and uh, for all you people out there, check out the uh, the OU softball. Uh... Twitter at OU underscore softball, and they just posted, they actually tweeted out a video of them updated it with the 2021 National Championship in their bio, 
So, can one last time, congrats. David, do you have any plans for the weekend? Um, not really. Probably going to do a little bit of yard work. It's not supposed to be not as hot this weekend. So, I've got some things to do need around the house. But for the most part, nothing major planned. Uh, I know next weekend I've got a um, – the admin is doing their um, – herd on herd uh, again after taking a pause due to COVID last year. So they closed Broadway from second to, uh, I think it's um, Thatcher. Mm-hmm. And they have a bunch of food trucks. They have the parking lot there by the uh, administration building. They have a little stage set up, local bands come and play. And uh, it's going to be real fun to get out and uh, get back, get things back going again. So, but really not much of anything this weekend. What about you? And I got some, uh, I got, I bought a new, uh, new shelf, a storage shelf. I got to put together and put out in the garage, my garage, you know, I cleaned out my garage and now it's, uh, gathering up stuff again. So I need to, or <laughs> I need to organize it. So I got that more than likely. I'm sure I got some yard work I got to do. I got to put a new shower head in. So I got a few, you know, minor to-do lists this weekend, but nothing too major. And, and, uh, I think I'm going to be grilling some chicken. I think I'm going to try some recipes on chicken so it shouldn't be too bad but a busy weekend nonetheless semi-busy i put it that way semi-busy <laughs> yeah semi-busy so and i tell you what um i don't know if ou is gonna plan another uh victory rally like they did in uh, 2016 when they uh beat auburn i was there at the one down there at marita heinz field and that place was rocking so if they do i'm gonna uh try to See if I can't make it to that one and uh, um, just celebrate what the Sooner softball team did. It was really good. Yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye on that as well. I'm sure that be if um, sure that there will be uh, tweeting out. So I'm definitely going to uh, to um, to get that. They did post uh, something for you to check. I know uh, we're kind of lagging here, but check out. They did just post the picture of the. Uh, the uh, new ballpark that they are wanting to look and that thing looks mighty, mighty nice. So um, definitely something to, uh, to check into more, but uh, no, I'm excited. I'll definitely keep an eye. And if I can get down there and some, do a little celebration rally with them, I will definitely be down there as well. Oh yeah. And I'm looking at the ballpark myself and that thing is nice. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know where, where exactly they're gonna um, they're wanting to build it, but uh, that would be a lovely ballpark to, to play to watch to go salt watch a softball game. Well, I know that um, it's um, it's gonna be nice. Uh, kind of real quick, uh, briefly, new product highlight seating capacity is uh, for approximately three thousand, which is doubling the current capacity. New concession stands and restrooms to enhance the experience. OU softball championship trophy display. 10,000 square foot indoor practice facility, which is doubling the current facility. Uh, several team spaces, including a training room, locker, and classroom, and access to the existing parking in the immediate vicinity. So I'm going to assume it's going to be in that land that's going to be right across from the current uh, ballpark, would be my guess. If, in fact, that's if they want to use the current existing parking. So if that's the case, I'm guessing it's in that land that's uh, right across literally from the current ballpark on the same side of uh, Jenkins. 
Yeah, and I'm uh, looking at the map right now, and I think that land is actually owned by the city of Norman because it's part of Reeves Park. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to look at the map to get an exact pinpoint location. But um, if that's the case, they'll have to work out a deal with the uh, with the um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's all part of Reeves Park um, right there at uh, just on Jenkins, just a few blocks south of the stadium, but. I'm sure that the city of Norman, if uh, they're more willing to uh, work out a deal with the university, get that land, if it means better things for the, if benefits for, city, for the city of Norman and the university. So I don't think there's too much legal trouble with the uh, uh, acquiring that land for Reese Park. That'd be a great place to build it. And then they could probably turn the current stadium into like a, um, like a hangout spot or like a little museum or something celebrating softball as it's grown over the few years. Oh, absolutely. And um, and honestly, um, and you know, I, I, I don't know who Marita Hines is off the top of my head, but no. it would not be surprised if that new stadium is named Patty Gasselfield. It would not surprise me at all. I mean, that's almost a given at this point, right? <laughs> it would be, she's got to have something. She After, you know, I don't know if she's going to aim for 30 years or what she's going to do, but uh, whatever her time is up, when um, and it's obviously going to be on her terms, um, whenever she feels the need to to hang it up, I, I can guarantee you that, like you said, her, her name is going to be etched in that new ballpark somewhere, regardless if it's the Patty Gasso field or whatever they want to do it. But uh, rightfully so, she deserves it regardless of, uh, of what they want to do um, with the new ballpark. But we got so much sooner stuff to talk about, but we'll save it for another day. Guys, you've been listening to the Area Tech Podcast. David, what is your Twitter handle that they can follow you at on your Twitter? It's at Oki, capital O K I E, capital B R E D, and an 87. So at Oki Bread 87 is my Twitter. And I'm not much of a Twitter guy, but I try to do at least one or two tweets a day. Um, so you guys could follow me on that. And uh, Michael will pin me on his thing. So you can just click on a link and it'll take it right to me. And you click that little follow button. I greatly appreciate it. Most definitely. And uh, as always, follow the show at air raid underscore podcast. And my personal one is on air with Mike, M-I-K-E, not M-I-C, which is common. But uh, in the meantime, David, it's been fun. Um, enjoy the rest of your evening and have a wonderful weekend. You do the same, Mike. Thank you for having me on. As always, and as always, you all know, may know, next Thursday, same time, we'll be recording and the episode will be released tomorrow. David will be with, be with us again next Thursday. But as always, listen, subscribe, Google's iTunes, all that good major podcast platform. Don't forget to listen to the Unhand Sports Network every Thursday night, 6 p.m. Eastern. And better yet, enjoy your weekend. Tomorrow's Friday. If you're listening to it tomorrow, it's Friday. It's the weekend. Enjoy your weekend. We are almost to the 4th of July. Who would ever believe that we're halfway through the month of June? You all take care. David, have a wonderful and safe weekend. And we will be talking soon. Thanks, man. Thank you, and everyone have a wonderful weekend. You are listening to the Air Raid Attack Podcast.